Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. In this week's show, we're going to recap Fight to 146. We're going to recap Polaris 13, the GP. We're going to recap Third Coast Grappling's Kumite 4. We're going to recap Submission Underground 16, Mason Fowler versus Craig Jones. We're going to preview Spider Korea BJJ. We're going to preview Fight to Win 147. We're going to preview the Sapatero Invitational, the 155-pound qualifier, and talk a little about Jiu-Jitsu overtime. As always on the show, I'm your host, Manjo, my co-host. Emil. It's a big old show this week, Emil. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, man. Shit, between all of these jiu-jitsu events and a crazy stacked UFC event. Dude, too. that was fun as shit. That was, If yeah. it could not go to 2 a.m. Yeah, that was... one fifty. That was is brutal. when the finalist in between Masvidal and Usman got red, and I went, this is... I'm... I, this Exhausting. is too late for me. I'm done. Like, I'm not... I'm not 20 anymore. I can't be up till 3 a.m. watching fights. Yeah, I know, man. So, uh, yeah, talk about that in a little bit here. Um, there's not a whole lot of jiu-jitsu news... Honestly, Spider got moved. Spider's now next week, and I'm happy about that. So they kind of rescheduled. Um, let's see. Uh, PGF in Alabama is happening uh, next week with the guys from 10th Planet Alabama. Uh, they're running like a week-to-week grappling event. Um, week one just happened. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Find it there. Uh, let's see what other news I got. Um, oh, yeah. Stuff's starting to shut back down. Yep. Events are starting to cancel. A lot of stuff from Grappling Industries has canceled. Uh, some of the stuff they had going on in Texas, and I think a couple other states have been pushed again, I think back until October yep. now. So, yep, there's that. Um, I don't want to kind of belabor that because everyone knows what's going on. We're doing the best we can. Uh, Venom has been announced as the new UFC apparel provider. Yeah. Uh, I love Venom gear. I think it looks dope. Yep. So I'm happy that we're going to get hopefully I just like hope that the fighters get fucking paid. Yeah. You know. I also hope it looks better. I yeah. hope it doesn't look like like chalk got rubbed on their shorts, which has always bothered me. I literally thought when they first cuz they've gone through like three or four different uh gear stuff um since the back deal and when that when the chalk one got announced or got like put out, I thought one of the fighters just had dirty shorts yeah. when they walked out and I realized, "Oh, they all have it this card." Yep. Oh, snap. That's like the look is like chalk like it looks like a climbing gym. I've never gotten any impression other than Reebok utterly half-assed that partnership. It had, it had dude. It was seven years? Remember Giblert? Giblert. Giblert Melendez? Yeah. Giblert. And Anderson Aldo or something like that? Something what was like it? that. Like, There's a bunch of, like, just missteps for, like, giant fighters. You're like, oh, Jesus. No one, like, spell check, bro. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, Venom's happening. Um, I'm, I'm happy that Venom's going to hopefully make stuff that looks dope. They make good gloves. And so, like, I've honestly been happy with the stuff they have i think their geese are good so that'll be good um what else do i have uh oh yeah so ufc we're gonna kind of stop off on mma news for a quick second um this card was dope yo it was a lot of fun they were moving to grappling but i would want to talk about it for a second because there's not really a better place to talk about it in the show than like right now and uh it was a lot of fun like it masvidal stepped up on six days notice and put together a really fun fight yeah i don't know about fun but he like there were moments when he was definitely piecing up Usman he just didn't have enough and you know like with a full fight camp I was like I wonder how different that fight looks yeah because definitely the like his tank played into it I was actually surprised this fight was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be given the preparation that Masvidal had right because Masvidal's a guy and he doesn't get super out of shape but I, I he's a guy that always kind of I mean, strikes he, me as like dude he was stopping those takedown attempts up until dude, he started Masvidal getting tired is a really really good counter wrestler like, like Damian Maya was like yeah he's like the best guy I've ever grappled in, right. the, in the UFC right he's like he's 
everyone kind of forgets underratedly an outstanding like counter wrestler yeah and, like, dude his switches like i think i talked about it last week but like jack slack had a filthy casuals guy to georgia masvidal and he he talks he shows like yeah actually his switches are amazing and he's really good at chaining them with guillotines and stuff like yeah his grappling is impressive. Very, very good. Yeah. Um. So I was impressed. I was super happy. I, I love watching George's boxing. Yeah. Because you oh, see dude, him just like incredible. out of the way. And he's such like a fun. He's just yeah. fun. He's just like an action fighter. Yeah. And it's it's awesome. So it was a lot of fun. I wish that it didn't go to one fifty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of. I'm still honestly tired from that because I couldn't catch up on sleep Sunday. Yeah. But it is what it is. So um, I think I don't have any additional news. Uh, a couple other events are getting announced. Khabib's dad. Ah. Uh, yo, like in. Next, like, month, man. I want a, a week of news where it's just, like, awesome news. Yeah, it's not going to be happening for a while, man. Oh, man. Because, like... So, Khabib's bad uh, father has passed away due to complications with coronavirus and some other things. That region got hit really hard um, and kind of is still getting hit pretty hard. Um, I mean, like, there's no good way of saying this, but, like, in many ways, this is just the beginning right now. And, yeah. like, it's something that... I mean, you talked about events shutting down and, like with all of these events going on now like it is a serious risk to the athletes and not mm-hmm. just from like succumbing but even like if you recover there's a significant portion of people that get like permanent organ damage mm-hmm. including like lung damage lung and scarring. like you're not coming back at the same at the same capacity that you were yeah maybe ever it's yeah. like this is the is the data that we have stay safe do the best you can follow your local guidance regulations uh florida hit the all-time record every yeah. single day this week. Well, I mean, that's cases. like why I'm like, yeah. you know, sometimes it's not enough to go by the base level locally. Yeah. So. I have a feeling we're going to move back to remote here for the show Yeah, in the future, you know, depending on, you know, sooner rather than later, probably. Um, so on that super downer note, uh, you want to move into news? I mean, events? Let's do it. All right, we're going to start. Third Coast Kumite, man. So these it's got all the fucking stars in it. Jesus. Kicked it off. Yeah. Want to start with the kickoff match? Roberto Jimenez taking on Nick Rodriguez. Jesus H. Christ. This was dope. Like, both of these guys are lightning fast. And so it was amazing to, to see them pitted against each other. And I thought Jimenez was going to have a speed advantage. And at best, he was matching Nikki. Nikki might have been faster. That's kind of what I, that was my take. Right, we haven't talked about this. That was kind of my take. Where I was like, how fucking fast is Nick? Like, we've always known he's really fast for heavyweight. Like, we've known that he's super athletic for heavyweight. Like, but to see him against a guy who is not a natural heavyweight, Jimenez is 180, 190, 95. Like, you know, he's not 200. To see him match speed with a guy that historically is fast at the division that he fights in yep. and then keep pace and potentially outpace him was super impressive. Yeah. Holy shit. Like my takeaway here is like Nick Rodriguez is still a freak athlete, and I still don't think we realize how much of a freak athlete he yeah, is. Yeah, he's still surprising me. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a great match. Um, Nikki scores a takedown early on. Um that, also the, chaining some really nice like picks and stuff mm-hmm. off of there and sweeps um yeah uh and then during regulation nikki gets two calling penalties so two points go to roberto they get tied up in regulation and just broadly speaking how regulation went was roberto trying to get to the closed guard once the takedown happened like roberto kind of realized like i'm probably not taking this monster down i probably am not gonna be able to get the back effectively like like we said on our preview for this um this honestly went really kind of similar to how our preview 
we said it was going to go, where yep. it's like, Nick Rodriguez, if he stands, is going to get taken down. Like, there's not a person in jiu-jitsu that can take Rodriguez down. Right. And Jimenez may able to take the back off of it, and Jimenez realized after he gave up the first two on Rodriguez that, man, that is an uphill battle. Rodriguez historically has, you know, his passing is not, not underdeveloped is the right word to use, but it's, it's not as good as his takedowns right. and his, like, open space passing. So if Roberto, who has a really good close guard, can get to the close guard, he can slow Rodriguez down. That's exactly what he did. He did, and, like, what we saw him going for, Rodriguez going for, was, again, the double unders. He, that he clearly favors that. Yeah. That's a, like I was kind of concerned back, back take it. if if um, Jimenez was going to be able to set up a triangle off that. And he kind of started a couple times, but I think I Rodriguez like, has gotten so much better at like not his just hand. that, but like just someone that big, like and quick. That's throwing up a triangle against someone who's like significantly bigger than you is always a liability. And so we saw Jimenez like going for patiently like just swimming under at one point he gets a really good body lock on the double unders and then Rodriguez, Rodriguez just switches his just hand in the face and then neck and off. just push him I was like well I mean if you can you can fight it that way as well that yeah. made, made, made me laugh because I just looked like oh there's no way he is yeah. out bench pressing from the upward position Nick Rodriguez yeah, no. and Nick Rodriguez just like flexed and pushed him off and I went yep geez you gotta fight this monster yep um so it goes to overtime and, um, you know, there's an amazing, uh, dude, there was a tornado sweep attempt that Jimenez like right? almost hit. Uh, that was awesome. I was really, I don't think we've seen that from Jimenez before. I and it was like, it was a classic like cyborg, which is funny because cyborg was in the same side of the well, bracket. Well, it's funny because Jimenez actually, I saw him starting to set it up against cyborg too, which is just mm-hmm. like funny because it's never going to work against cyborg. But, um, dude that invented the tornado sweep, like you're probably not going to hit on that guy. So, um, there's one moment uh, where Roberto has Nikki in, in, in close guard and Nikki just does like a popping. He like he just pops to his feet and then for the guard break. Did you see that? He yeah. just like just jumped straight up. He's like, nope. And just out. Yep. Uh, yeah. So There's stuff you can't do. Stuff you know you can't do. It's like, how do you plan for that? It's like, I, like Nick Rodriguez is just going to stand up here. You're like, wait, what, you, I have the grips and I have the control. No. He's just going to stand up. No. Fuck your grips. Um. Yeah, so by the time overtime ends, neither of them have scored points in overtime. So it goes to decision, but Roberto was way more active, yeah. going for subs. At one point, he did, did try to like shoot up a triangle. Yeah, he was going for stuff. He was, Rodriguez was, you know, looked good in his passing, but didn't really. he wasn't really ever able to crush the hips down all the way and get around fully. Right. And it just, you know, Roberto takes, I think, a pretty close decision here. Yep, um, very close, yeah. But I was, I was impressed. I was impressed with both these guys with what they showed. Yep. Next up, we have Cyborg. Defeating Arnaldo Maidana two to nothing in overtime. Dude, Cyborg is quick. He's <laughs> fast, and as I mentioned before, like he's one of those guys that knows exactly what he needs to do to win. Mm-hmm. Like he, his so, awareness is amazing. So this match goes to overtime. Anything you want to talk about in regulation? Or just no. talk about the overtime. So this match goes to overtime, and Cyborg wins it with a shot. Yeah. Basically, and he actually he he reverses a shot that uh, Madonna takes. Yep, and basically gets it up. But he, he does exactly what he needs to do. They start, and then he just flips it over. Yep, and finishes it. So next, next match is fucking buck wild. Felipe Andrew 
submitting Lucas the Hulk Barbosa via triangle armbar. Holy shit. You ever have your entire uh, other side of the bracket messed Just up fucked. by making a really bad pick and not respecting the ability of a, of a really, really yep. good finisher? Yep. That's where you ever eat your words super hard? Like, yeah. that's what I'm going to do here. That's what, that's what happened to both I, of us. I, I, slept, I, I had a whole... I slept on Felipe Andrew. Like yep. we, we always I mean, we, do this. We, we said we we did say that we left you know, it out as a possibility because we but, covered our bases. Like he can flow up the flash sub, and I think you and I both watched this triangle. So tri- he triangles Hulk, right. and I think you and I both watched this triangle transition like over and over and over just to see how he was able to set it up on Hulk. It's it's absolutely nuts. Uh, Philippe Andrews in open guard with Hulk passing. Hulk kind of has like he's under hooking one of the legs. You know, looks like he's kind of getting ready to do maybe an over under, yeah, uh, or or something to that, or maybe even uh, double unders. And it happens so quickly this thri- this triangle that Felipe throws up. Well, what threw me off was Felipe throws it up on the other side. Yeah. He throws it up on the reverse side of the side that you think he's going to set it up on because he has his foot on top of Hulk's shoulder. Right. And he throws, instead of throwing that leg over top, he throws the opposite side leg over top to that position. Yep. And the way that he – like this is worth revisiting like over and over again because it's it's beautiful. As Maine said, the uh, Felipe Andrews' foot was on Hulk's shoulder on the side where your leg kind of crosses – Right. To make the triangle. And so Hulk, everybody, myself, thought that it was a position where Hulk was safe. Well, this is, it's because you are safe there. Yeah. Like you're like, like for almost everyone else. But Andrew has a really interesting setup here. And one one thing I watched, so if you go back like 10 seconds, you can see the setup. But if you go back a little farther than that, you can see Felipe Andrew, he's touching Hulk's hand. And so if you're looking at the camera, the way that they were set up, um, Felipe Andrews using his his right hand to touch Hulk's left hand there. And he's like, keeps kind of touching it to see what sort of reaction he's going to get. And once he gets Hulk used to what he's going to do with that hand, then he goes two on one. He goes to two on one, but he, d- he doesn't do it jerkily. He does it very gently and even like pauses there for like maybe a second or two and then just yanks that arm and that's what and he cuts the angle so hard on that basically wrong side leg over top to get it over the arm of the other other arm for the triangle like that was the most the interesting thing to me was just the speed at which he's able to switch and basically knock hulk over into the triangle with the opposite leg right it was like it it's something we don't see a whole lot from that position he was able to cover that speed so quickly yep. and it just it, it's a special kind of it's a special kind of speed which is again really similar to what we saw when he got keenan at the europeans was he just is there all of a sudden he just throws it up and he is in position he locks it up the thing i thought it was really interesting for the finish was he doesn't actually finish the triangle he finishes the armbar yep and you see he anticipates you're going to try to stack and pull out and he immediately gets super long and just starts rotating on the arm so it's like in theory the triangle is still going to be there but because he's so far away and going so hard on the arm he is committing to the arm and then you have to defend them both but you've already started to pull out so you make the angle that he needs for the arm at the escape it's a it's a really just beautifully drilled sequence and the camera angle is just perfect to catch all of the little pieces and motions there yeah the definitely 
watch it. It's, the finish is on Instagram, I think, for Flow. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I, just, I was just I was just on Flow and just like tabbing back yeah, and yeah, tabbing yeah, yeah. back and tabbing back to watch it just because yeah. it's such a cool sequence. And again, it messes up my entire right side of the bracket because yep. I picked Hulk. Um, so next up we have Gabriel Almeida defeating Guillermo Astagosaurus via decision. Not a whole lot. Uh, semifinals? Yes. Cyborg defeats Roberto Jimenez via decision. Uh, this was a fucking great match. Um, Sorry, my notes made me laugh because I, I, my notes just made me laugh. <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know about me, um, I tend to write things in my notes as I'm watching these, and, and so they get a little, uh, a little colorful as yep. I'm writing them. Um, just really great stuff. We saw, uh, as Bane's notes colorfully put, um, many blast doubles from Cyborg. Yeah. Um, this match, um, but just that head, like the like not the low blast double, but like the head in the chest blast double. That's just he drops enough level, he foreheads you in the chest and just bowls you over. Yeah, um, which is something you cannot hit unless you're quick. Yeah, and again, he's hitting on Roberto, which I thought was really interesting. He's like, he knows that he is. He's using all the wrestling experience he has, and he's banking on that, like he can out not out scramble Jimenez, but have the initiative and put Jimenez in a spot where he's going to have to defend. And he just, he figures that out very quickly in the match. And I was again, I'm always super surprised with Cyborg's ability to like figure out a situation and then figure out exactly what he has to do to put the match where he needs to put it to win. Uh, one really interesting thing here that Cyborg kept doing to Jimenez in um, throughout the match was from passing position, um, Cyborg would base out on Roberto's neck. He would extend his arm way out mm-hmm. on Roberto's neck and use it as a, a, as a post, as basically. A post and to keep Roberto from sitting up and changing yep. his posture. Because really that's something that Roberto does a ton. We see him do that like almost like worm position from guard where he goes almost on the back of his the crown of his skull and lifts his hips up super high to knock you forward because as you go and kind of lift against that position and throw your own hips and shoulders back to stabilize, he will then come back in and body lock you. Right. And so Cyborg realizes, like, okay, I don't want to let the guy do that. And Jimenez is relatively long, so Cyborg posts on his neck and basically, in effect, sort of stops that position because now he has that out in the middle. He has the center post, and it's not going to let Jimenez get to that body lock he as can't, easily. Yeah, he, yeah. Well, not even that easily. Like, he, Jimenez straight up could not. Right. And it looked like Jimenez was struggling with it. Well, like, <laughs> Cyborg was putting some pressure. Yeah, I don't think neck. it was a – I don't think it was a, like – you know, I don't think he was choking him. I think it was no. just like well, there, there was there was one of them where you saw Cyborg like put some beans into it and um and like like kind of like start to almost look like he was. Choking. He wasn't gonna you're not gonna get it, but it was. It, there was a couple of them that looked super super aggressive, right? And like I want this position, you have to respect. Like my hands on your neck, and I'm gonna like hold you down here. Yep, and you got to address it. Right. Um. Really great. Uh. So yeah, Cyborg hits a couple of blast doubles in regulation in overtime. He has two blast doubles in, in regulation, so it's 4-0. Going into overtime, again, if you don't score 11 points in third coast, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, third coast is 11-point tech fall. It didn't come into play during this event, but if you don't score fully um, the 11 points or submit your opponent in regulation, you go to the overtime. Overtime is golden score, first to score. Right, and if you have uh, points over the person in regulation, then you get to pick. Cyborg elects to be standing, of course. Because I've already gotten four points from standing, so why wouldn't I elect to do the same thing? And off the bat, cyborg double legs and what's interesting is that this is the first time that Jimenez was able to sprawl but 
Jimenez was Cyborg was forward enough that Jimenez didn't have any place to post off and yeah. separate his hips. Um, and so Cyborg hangs on, gets kind of a body lock, ducks his head underneath, and they both stand with Cyborg on the back. Mm-hmm. And then Cyborg... In that seatbelt, in, in, the, in the I'm going to suplex you position. And then Cyborg suplexes him. Cyborg like, what are you going to do, suplex me? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Cy- Cyborg, like, like, a couple guys in Jiu-Jitsu are always going to suplex you. Cyborg is one of those guys. If he gets that body lock, you're, like, you're going directly over, and then he's going to land. But dude, props to Jimenez, like... I was actually super surprised that Saber was not able to settle Jimenez here off the suplex. I agree. Like, this Jimenez did a super good job. It was a hard landing. Oh, yeah. And then to have the wherewithal to know, okay, he's going to suplex me, he takes me over. And then to have the wherewithal to actually spin out and turn and get back to a position where Cyborg can't control your hips yep. off a move like that. Because it's a super disorienting move. And it's also, the thing about suplexes is, because most guys don't train them a ton, especially if you don't come from a wrestling background, it, uh, you can throw a lot of guys off where they land and you get this lull and like, I just don't know where I need to move immediately. Jimenez didn't have that. And yeah. I, was, I was really impressed with Jimenez's yeah. wherewithal to like, probably not be put in that position a ton, but to, cap- Jimenez to work off pops back up and then does kind of basically like a funk roll mm-hmm. um, out. And um, yeah, the, you know, survives uh, the rest of the match um, with Cyborg attempting to pass. Goes to decision, uh, Cyborg, obviously. You, you, you suplex a dude, you're going to get a decision. Yeah. So Cyborg takes, a, I think, a pretty clean decision here yeah. over Jimenez. Um, yeah. Um, good. Next up. Oh, and by the way, like, the rest of overtime was phenomenal. Like, they were trading single-leg attempts, oh, yeah. double-leg attempts. Like, this, is a ma- this is honestly a match. This is probably one of my most fun, like, matches to watch. Yeah. Just because of, you. again, you saw the wrestling of Cyborg, and you saw, like, how Jimenez dealt with who Jimenez is. He's good. Actually, Penis is good everywhere. But you saw him deal with like a real veteran player that was going to capitalize on the areas that maybe weren't as strong. And it was just a really, really cool matchup. I'm curious to see. It wouldn't surprise me to have both these guys match up again in the future. Oh, yeah. I'm curious to see what changes Jimenez will make to kind of deal with what Cyber was throwing at him. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Felipe Andrew submitting Gabriel Almeida via heel hook. This was... Dude, Andrew fast. starts it off with a jumping guillotine to yeah. start the match off immediately. Like Marcelo style, just over top, jumps it down, and then Gabriel counters. Yeah. Um, this was a brutal heel hook. I mean I couldn't really see because of the camera angle. Yeah. Like it was like it was a sideways camera. I mean it could have been a straight Gabriel angle. Gabriel was limping hard after he was limping and they super say hard. they listed in the results as a straight ankle but the way that felipe goes back for it See, and the speed maybe i thought i thought it was a straight ankle in okay in the results they list a heel hook they list ankle lock mine says, says a heel hook oh really okay I have, um, di- I have different results then um i thought it was a straight ankle lock i think huh. that's a, a more just Looking at how he sat back, I didn't see a lot of twisting motion yeah. and rotation. I saw more of a... Felipe is also one of those guys that finishes so quick. like It, it was super fast. Yeah. So uh-huh. basically, um, Gabriel goes for a heel hook on Felipe, and Felipe goes, nope, drops back for his own leg lock. I think, I think, I probably, let's go call it an ankle lock. Yeah. Drops for his own leg lock and just immediately, like, really quickly boots it out and gets it done. Yeah. Like, yep. this match is under a minute. Yeah, it's very, very It's just fast. like, oh, Felipe Andrew can sub dudes really, really quick. Yep. Like, he, I think he's dangerous. probably one of the quickest finishers around right now. Yeah. I don't think of any, any other guy on a high level that will, like, just submit so quick against high-level opposition. Yeah. Like, Jimenez is another guy that submits really, really quickly, but 
usually against guys that aren't like at the elite level. So, uh, finals. Uh, Cyborg defeats Felipe Andrew via guillotine. So excited to talk about this one. Yeah, this was... Pff. First off, Cyborg fucking carved through Felipe Andrew's guard. It was like... I And I'm a little... Like, I'm salty that the camera angle wasn't right to see how he did it because it was real fast. Um, and Felipe is able to recover. They stand up. And Felipe shoots a bad double, and Roberto snaps the guillotine. Cyborg. Oh yeah, he's oh, Roberto. Yeah, he's Roberto Cyborg. Yeah, unless you're saying man, I was like, wrong yeah, guy. Cyborg. Cyborg. Cyborg snaps the guillotine and does a great job at following it. Like it's such, it's so amazing because you know, Maine and I were talking about it. We, th- I'm like, a guillotine connoisseur. Yeah, like, it's my. It is my favorite technique in jujitsu. And when you see someone as strong as Cyborg. Like but it wasn't just strength. Like, it. Well, that's the thing. You when you look at it, you're like, eyes oh, gooning. It, it looks like a goon choke. The way Cyber finishes it, it is a characteristic, like a classic goon choke because it's a standing guillotine finish. He's walking the guy forward, but as a guillotine connoisseur, if you look at how he sets it up off the shot, he gets his hands. He almost gets like a, doesn't have a ten finger grip. He has a hand over hand, like a saucer grip on the hand. He's then adjusting it. He's keeping his shoulders over the chest. But what he's doing is in that position, Felipe can either come back in or pull out. What Cyborg is doing is he's loading Felipe's legs on the sprawl so that Felipe can't basically move in or out. He still has to deal with the up and down motion. But Cyborg, and Cyborg follows it perfectly. Yes. Like you so can see him tracking. Which is really hard to do. But the cool thing about this guillotine is, again, like Emil said, the tracking up and down as well. But when Cyborg actually goes to stand on it, he's super measured when he stands. Most times when guys get this position, they get a nice tight grip. They feel really good. It's nice. The head is in the chest. It's bent over on the neck. They pull up and they try to just lift and goon the guy over. Well, if you have a super high-level guy like Felipe Andrew, he's going to anticipate you yanking up and he's going to yank at the same time and your hands and chest, everything aren't able to hold the head in a position and he's going to rip the ears and rip the head out. What Cyborg does is he lifts and he just expresses and he keeps lifting, keeps lifting up, and he makes little adjustments up on the tracking so that when his chest is not over top of the shoulders of Felipe Andrew anymore, Felipe Andrew can't escape. It's such a veteran move to have a guy that's not just going to goon you up, but going to like actually take their time and make the right adjustments in order to squeeze for the finish like this, as opposed to just yanking and trying to finish. Because Cyborg has the ability to do that, but he doesn't. And he gets the tap as a result. And it just was a, such a cool sequence. I love this guillotine. It's an uncommon guillotine to see hit in this way. And to see like the measuredness that Cyborg and the little adjustments that Cyborg makes throughout the entire thing is just, uh, it was a real treat for me as a guy that like, that is my favorite technique to watch. Yeah. It's a, it's a real treat. Definitely go back and watch the end sequence because yeah. it is tremendous. Yeah, but you, you catch it on the, pulling up, you kind of keying into like the following up well, you, can, you can see him because he, he kind of like goes up and down a little bit and I, at first i thought it was him kind of losing footing but then i was like no that's him just yeah keeping the pressure on because if you, you can move up and down a little bit you can actually adjust where the head and the hands are on the chest and you can keep adjusting where your shoulders are on the top of their shoulders to keep like replacing um your hand position to keep them centered in the chest or to actually decide to go off to the side and finish too. So it's like little teeny adjustments that are just really cool to see. And the camera angle was perfect for it. So it was, uh, it was a super cool finish. I was, I was happy to see Cyborg again, uh, win another tournament at 40 years old or 39 or however old he is. And just with like monster 
competition too. You yeah, know? and looked good. Like there wasn't a match that was oh he looked good. He's like, God damn, he looked good finishing yep. dudes. Yeah. So, um, I would that was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Some other matches on the card as well. Uh, there was a big brawl on the card. Um, both guys got suspended for some time. There's you can read up on it in Third Coast. I don't really want to talk about it too much because um, I don't really want to you know encourage that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Mona Bailey was on the card. Looked really good against Natalie. Sir, um, I always mess up Gordon Ryan's last name. Nat against Nat against Hey Sunny. Uh, outpointed her in like just really good passing, really good positional work. Was really impressed with uh, Mona as per usual. Um, we're gonna move on to next. We got to fight, fight to win. Want to fight to win one forty six? Yeah. All right. So moving on to oh, we, Gordon Ryan had a match as well. Gordon Ryan had an exhibition match uh, where he tapped Brian in the last, I think, two seconds of the match. It was a fun exhibition match. It was Gordon Ryan sort of showcasing back control, his passing, just, you know, it was a show, it was a showcase match, and they raised a lot of money for We Defy, a uh, great organization. Um, highly recommend you guys support them. They're doing great things for veterans in the United States, and uh, it's generally just a really great organization. I think, I'm not sure exactly how much they raised publicly, but I think they raised a good chunk of money. Um, I'm not sure if the donation link for that is still up, but it's a really good cause, and I'm happy to see that, you know, they were able to get Gordon Ryan to, you know, help that cause out. Moving on to Fight to Win 146 that took place in Austin, Texas, headlined by Black Belt Edwin Najmi defeating Oswaldo Casino via rear naked choke, and that was submission of the night for the Black Belts. A little bit of controversy was- in this one. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Najmi, like, starts off just, like, you can, he is so keyed in on the fight to win rule set. Like, he just starts off throwing in a steam lock on Cachino, and he, Najmi hits a dope Toriando pass, like, instantly getting past Cachino's legs, and Cachino has to begin turtling, and Najmi is just relentless and follows through, takes the back. The follow is good because Kashino is rolling and Najmi, Najmi does a really good job there of like keeping the hooks in, keeping the one hook to just continue on the follow and not get scraped off by the mat. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's also, Najmi is attacking different things. Like he's front headlock with maybe a little bit of a choke, goes to crucifix, then steps over for the back take. And while they're rolling on the back take, um, you know, Najmi is starting to get his hands in position for rear naked yeah. choke. He doesn't have the full hooks in yet. They're still kind of like fighting the hooks, but you can see Najmi like working more so on the choke kind of than like really prioritizing the hook. He's sort of not at a side choke, but he's starting to set up there and then they kind of roll off the mat. They roll and off they the mat. Reset. They reset. And then, you know, uh, even the commentators are like, Oh, it's going to be a neck crank, and you can see exactly that. Najmi gets the gets the finish there, and Kashinio is not happy about yeah. the reset. It it's one of those restarting in a sub things where it's like it. I I don't know. I wish it could be more definitive here because it, I definitely am not certain if that's where it was going to finish because they were both moving right. and it was getting set up. And again, it could have finished there, but it's so hard to start a guy with a position like that in static space yep. and then have him be able to make the adjustment because it's way easier to restart from static as the choker than it is to get your motion going again as the guy trying to escape the hooks and trying to escape the choke. So it's one of those like, ah, it's really hard to make the reset. It wasn't a terrible restart but it was definitely one of those where the restart maybe restart the position but not the submission yeah yeah it's really it's really hard like it's it's 
Yeah, it's a, it's a funny restart. And, you know, but Najmi gets it done, looked really good. They, they had a nice dueling toe hold back and forth. It was, it was cool. I think, I honestly feel like we're going to see more leg stuff from Najmi. He has really been hunting recently. I like the toe holds really, really hard. And I have a feeling that we're going to see more of that from him mm-hmm. just in this match. He looked way more calm. He looked way more controlled. He put up a legit, like, super heavy esteem lock on Cushino and a really good toehold in a dueling toehold battle that Cushino initiated that then Cushino had to let go of his toehold and defend Najmi's toehold and roll out. So really happy with it. Glad to see Najmi. I think uh, Najmi is probably going to go for the belt soon. Yeah. I think he's... I know he previously had the belt at fight to win. I don't know if he lost that or exactly who took that off of him but i would assume honestly with his activity if i do win the amount of points that he's gotten that he's probably on the short list for a belt especially if he's main eventing it now especially on a big card like this one yep so next match we got kyle Terra defeating gabe tuttle via decision this was fucking unreal fucking kyle can pass is my is my is the first line of my notes my god kyle posts up on his hands and just starts floating passing like i have this was like over the guard. This like, was like, like oh, watching one of the Mendez brothers abuse a purple belt. It was, it was savage. It's so good. It's so good. He's basically surfing on the legs. He's surfing. He gets, on he gets to uh, like he gets to shins. like a leg weave type position, and then steps the other leg up and over into mount. It's is it, this the first sequence. This is the first yeah. sequence. It was a two move sequence. It was a so two move f- sequence. Like. Just so slick. He just over the. Like, there was one of them where he just goes over the legs, like he's surfing on Gabe's shins, mm-hmm. and he just kind of presses down and like folds over and just isn't mount. Yeah. I mean, the the funny thing is when most guys. Not funny. The interesting thing about this particular pass is that when most guys do that move, there is like a drop down and there's like a settling thing. Kyle doesn't have that. He just slides the tops of his shins down the thighs of Gabe here and just is in mount. Yep. And it was, there's, I, I can't really describe it because it just looks, it looks different than how it's usually done. Yep. And that's the best way to put it. It's just, there's no space. It, there's just, there's everything that could have been taken out of it is taken out. And it's just so smooth. And there's a couple passes here where I was trying to get screenshots for my notes so we can like have talking points. And I, I just can't because it's like two frames. It's super smooth. I'm just like, he goes in the knee cut or goes in the leg weave and then he immediately is out and back into the mount. Yep. And there's like three frames of footage where he's just in and out and then he's back and he's sliding and he's opening his hips across to the mount. It was just beautiful passing and mount work. Here. Yeah, and Kyo does this multiple times. Um, so while... There wasn't a whole lot of submission attempts, really. There, I think there was a half-hearted leg lock attempt yep. at one point. Oh, I have, I have a funny thing. It reminded me. So there was a leg lock attempt in this, and um, Kyo did a Naga, if I recall, a couple years back on like a whim where he was just like working heel hooks at the Naga, and you can go back and find footage of Kyo Terra at just a, a Naga, just like heel hooking guys, and it just like, I, I want to say it was probably like 20, might have been like 2014. It might have been prior to that, but it was just him and a random Naga just working out techniques. So he has he has a leg lock. I mean, again, there's a fucking foot lock. There's a foot lock called the Kyle Terra. I was about foot to say, lock. yeah, he has more than just but, a leg lock. Game. Yes, he's got a very very developed leg lock. Game. But again, we don't typically see a lot of it recently yep. because we haven't seen a ton from Kyle recently. We haven't seen him on fight the win since like 2017. That's what the commentary said, and uh, that sounds like right. So yeah, beautiful match. I don't have a ton of. Um, a ton of this match other than it was great. Uh, go back and watch the sequence at 347 left in this match. 
um, because it's just it's just a crazy, beautiful passing sequence. Um, Kyle looked exhausted after this match. Yeah. And so, you know, but cool. For, got to see Kyle back. Uh, first time since 2017. Yeah. It was fun. Next match, we had Andrew Wiltsey defeating John Combs via decision. Uh, Wiltsey looked good here. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, also looked a little bigger. I don't know what the... Yeah, yeah, I picked up on that as well. Like, I think... I'm not sure. He had huge legs. Yeah. He's got some jacked legs yeah um but yeah really really great work here um andrew gets a really nice body lock pass on john combs um and gets to mount and back takes uh you know guard recovery by combs nice back and forth wilty has a great leg lock attempt um the, the telling thing here was you saw combs repeatedly trying to pass the being at the start of the match and then you saw a reversal happened like basically combs kind of in a scramble up off a leg, Wiltsy's able to wrestle up and get Combs down. And then you see Wiltsy starting to pass and implementing his passing game and actually able to get past. And that was the big turning point. That's also when I realized when I saw Wiltsy on top, how much bigger he was. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's using that as well. Like he's got big legs and he's just physically, like he's also really quick. Yep. So he's getting around Combs' legs. He was able to get into top position there and honestly looked really good. I'm yep. curious to see... Um, if we see him at trials now, yeah, because Combs is a former trials winner for ADCC. Yep. Um, I'm. I know that Wilsey is a new black belt. He's on that Daisy Fresh team, and so I'm curious to see, you know, if we see him at trials and how we see his how we see him looking there. That's really good. Yeah, looked really, 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 really big win, biggest win of his career, definitely. So excited to see more from him. Next up, Junior Casio defeats Justin Ordinario via heel hook. This is a Z lock. Wasn't a heel hook. It was a hip lock. It's listed I in the result as a heel hook. Loved this finishing sequence. It so was so dope. This is very similar to. I didn't get a chance to talk to Junie. I wanted to talk to him before the show. Um, this is very similar to what he hit at Sub Spectrum. I think Junie is the only guy in competition to have a Z lock finish, and now he has two of them. It's brilliant. I think uh, in part because basically Junie gets to saddle and. The way that the saddle is set up is the leg entanglement is on Justin's top leg. Yes. Right? So it's on the leg that Justin is not – it's on the hip that's not touching the ground. And that's a little bit difficult because to finish a, a traditional heel hook because there's still a lot of rotation that can go – um, Yeah, they can still move. They can, they still, can still move. move and sort of start to defend the position if they roll. But – what Junie does that's so brilliant is that he has his other arm that's on the mat, on the leg. He's grabbing Justin's leg that's the one that he's leaning on, on onto the mat. Yeah. And so he's preventing any rotation either way. And with one arm, then Junie's able to start torquing the leg and getting the pressure. And he does it like very gently as gently as you yeah, can yeah he like it's, he's it's, just, it's measured it's position he's he knows waiting he for justin to react like he doesn't mm-hmm. do anything spazzy at all here it's very smooth it's very methodical and there's just nowhere for justin to turn to alleviate any of that right. pressure so uh com- we last time we talked about this uh it was on subspectrum we i made a little um like a little clip of our show talking about it and then i used i cut in uh, the subspectrum finish and the actual Eddie Cummings instructional footage. So there actually is instructional footage that Cummings put out like the day after Acasio hits this at subspectrum of this lock. And again, I think it's the same lock. It did look a little different, but it 
looks similar enough that I think it's the exact same lock that he hit there. And again, he's the only guy that I've seen ever hit this in competition. It's a really, really, it's like, it's like the Acasio lock, man. Yeah. It's, so, it's great. It, it's a, it's a hip lock and we don't, when's the last time you saw a hip lock? It wasn't like an electric chair, like a groin splitter, a, a move that actually attacks the hip. I don't think this attacks the hip, man. This, to me, this looks like, it's like a this leg is Kimura. everything that I hate about a lot. Th- this, this is the same overall torque on the knee that you get during a heavy reap. And oh, yeah. Like what blew out Cub Swanson's knee, kind of this, really similar position. I mean, yeah, this to me very much looks like a knee attack. Um, and yeah, from this angle, the, the screenshot that I have up of in my notes, it kind of does too. I know this because when they when they talked about it prior, they said it was a hip lock, and that's why I'm going calling it a hip lock. But yeah, yeah. from the angle I have, it looks like it's just about to I blow would the say, leg. I mean, yeah, only Justin can say, but like, if just looking at it, I would say that's putting a lot of pressure on the knee. So yeah. Um, cool, really cool finish. You don't see a lot of them. There's, it's rare cool. we talk about a sub we don't see very often, especially at like a, like a good high-level black belt match. Yep. So, fun match. We keep moving on? Yeah, let's do it. Christopher William Haggett defeats uh, Marcus Duthit via choke. Carlos Souza defeats Joel Adnan, Adan via choke. Uh, Danilo Moriera defeats Silvio Duran via choke. Steve Hargett defeats Eric Board via choke. Frisco De Leon defeats Renato Tagliari via decision. Uh, Alan Sanchez defeats Ralph Sebexen via arm triangle choke. Uh, Javier Gomez defeats Mark Farrell. Somehow. On to the brown belt results. Xavier Silva defeats Clay Mayfield via split decision. Becomes the fight to win brown belt middleweight champion. Justin Rennick defeats Matt Cox via decision. Glad to see Rennick coming back after uh, his last match. I think he took on Tackett in his last match in like a late replacement or like a really quick turnaround title fight for Tackett. So cool to see him back in the win column. Excited to see uh, what's next for him. Itala Lima Costa defeats Nicholas Spacek. Adolfo Santiago Suarez defeats Caleb Isaacs via heel hook. Lawrence Sears defeats Julia Balmonte via Kimura. Uh, David Weintraub defeats Julian Godinez via decision. Zach Cothran defeats Fernando Cuparis via split decision. Sergey Zach Edwards defeats Leonardo Jr. via armbar. And that's submission tonight for the Brown Bows. See, Zach Edwards getting it done. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, I think we've, we've commentated his matches a couple times at SAGC, so it's cool to see him down in Texas getting it done. Purple belt results. Jaden Mueller defeats Emily Fernandez via split decision. Becomes the female featherweight Nogi champion, Jada. Jaden Mueller. Oh, my, my bad. Yeah, that's, one of the, that's fight to win. That's, she, she works for fight to win. So it's cool to see her. You know, Again, I always love when fight to win guys have titles on their own organization because it's cool because you get to see those titles defended uh, really frequently. Jacob Couch defeats Cam Padilla via arm triangle choke. Ramira Leon defeats Jimmy Newsom via Kimura. Felipe Ferrer defeats Emerson Rojero. Rogerio via split decision. And that was fight of the night for the purple belts. Previous match was submission of the night. Kimoy Anderson defeats Alex Assad via decision. Alejandro Wagner defeats Matt Copra via decision. Mateus Azencott defeats Chase Souza via split decision. Joey Miranda defeats Adam Fujawa via heel hook. Uh, Jorge Vald. Valadares defeats Micah Valdez via heel hook. Under the blue bar results. Marco Mendez defeats Connor Ogle via armbar. That was submission the night for the blue belts. Jacob Bonnerman defeats Corey Ramos via decision. Tiffany Butler defeats Lacey Clifton via decision. Freddie Marquez defeats Colt Lewis via decision. That was Friday night for the blue belts. On the kids results. Refugio Salgado defeats Philip Brown via Kimura. Friday night for the kids. 
Zane Magan defeats Alessio Farrell via armbar. Submission of the night for the kids. Jackson Glass defeats Nate Suarez via armbar. So that does it for our, our fight to win 147 recap in Austin, Texas. I think they're back, I think, in Austin again uh, this next week. We're going to preview them here at the end of the show. Uh, do you want to move into Polaris or move into Submission Underground? Let's do Sug. Let's do Sug next. Uh, so Submission Underground 16 headlined by Mason Fowler versus Craig Jones in a somewhat controversial Pretty uh, damn controversial. Pretty damn controversial finishing sequence. Yeah. So the the match of Sug right now is using EBI rules. They had for their pandemic matches, they have a five minute regulation followed by overtime. Given that the matches are five minutes, most of them are going to overtime. Overtime is standard EBI rules that Emil and I both are not a huge fan of. Um, I mean, I straight up don't like it. But yeah. yeah. Um, no, same, same with me. Uh, Craig Jones during. Um, the closest really submission in regulation was Craig Jones had a really nice arm and guillotine yep. where he was like lifted up off the ground. Yeah. And Mason was able to pop out. Didn't look like he could make the angle. And again, it's really Mason hard. Mason took some deep breaths after oh, that. Oh, yeah. Like, it looks like it had Craig been able to get to the side there. It's kind of where Craig usually finishes. And if you look at his instructionals for how he finishes the arm and guillotine, he's had a makes a side angle that he's just unable to make. Mason is super squared up with him, um, but Craig was going for it. So it goes to overtime, and Craig gets a you know gets the first go at overtime, is on the back, gets the body lock, holds Mason for like something like a minute and 10 seconds or something, something like that, a yeah. long time. Mason's able to escape, and off the bat, Chael says, uh, if Mason can tap Craig, we get a new champion. This is before the second part of overtime has even started. And it was just like a really peculiar statement to make. Yeah, I just was, felt like the, the timing was weird. It was just like a weird thing to say. It was a strange thing to foreshadow so going into this. Mason, uh, Mason also gets the body lock and Mason is just squeezing like a motherfucker, yeah. both on the, on the body lock, squeezing Craig's abdomen, just cranking down on his neck. And um, Craig makes a weird noise initially. Craig, Craig grunts, yeah. Well, the first time, so Craig kind of makes a noise, yeah. And I was like, oh, that looks like it sucks. And Chael starts like talking about, oh, I have it written down. He says, uh, "What's happening?" I thought Craig, and then he trails off, almost like he was like Trying waiting to for the tap. the tap. Yeah, and then you know, m- you know, maybe 20, 30 seconds something later, like something similar happens, and then the ref calls it. And, and then Craig immediately so. The ref called a verbal tap is what it was. And I've kind of, I've gone back and I've gone back and forth with a couple people. We've talked about this. We've talked about it internally in the chat. We've, I've watched this over and over and over again. Um, I have a bunch of problems with the call. Uh, So three things. Per the SOG rules, if you make a noise like that, the ref can call it. Now, I have a problem with the rule in the first place because it's like, like I get that for a lower level match, but it's like you have two guys that are world ranked at under 88 kilograms yep. in a highly anticipated rematch and they're trying to kill each other right. like really hard. Guys can make a noise. Right. Also from that position, Craig can tap with his hands. And if you're getting your neck cranked super bad, uh, we've all been neck cranked before. Like you will yeah. tap like aggressively and quickly and occasionally you make a noise. Also like... You know, in jujitsu, and particularly like for events like this, there's a lot of ambient noise, t- usually. Yeah. But because of, there's no crowd, there's no crowd or anything. Everything gets like amplified a little bit more, and like there's no like 
yell or anything like no, this Craig makes these are weird... noises that you would have heard during any normal like training session yeah anything like that and know? it was a little amp and it was definitely a little amplified like, it was a it was a louder grunt but it was like we've all seen guys tap and verbal tap to neck cranks like it's a specific it sounds like something it sounds like uh, it sounds like it sounds like i'm done it doesn't sound like a grunt this was a grunt yeah and the ref calls it and per the sub rules yeah you can do that but We've all seen enough high-level matches that it was like no one thought that was a tap. No one did. And then the ref calls it, and you go, "Okay, like yeah, put the sub rules. Like it's a it's a tap." But we all like no, we knew that wasn't a. It's tap. a bad call. It's a bad call. Yeah. And then even oh yeah, I had one more piece to make on this was you see Craig let get the choke get the crank let go, and his first look is of confusion as opposed to like relief. And so if a guy's tapping, their first look after getting out of a neck crank will be, oh, God, I'm out of the neck crank. That's good. And Craig, Craig's face was like, huh, I'm, I'm curious as to why they've just called it here. That's weird. Yeah. So it, all in all, it's, it was a, it's a bad look. It's a, it's a bad call. It's a, it's a weird overtime finish, and it puts a big asterisk. So, yeah, Mason Fowler defeats Craig Jones via submission, neck crank, first round of overtime, but it's via, like, Either a weird rule for Sug right. or a ref that and didn't it, know how to interpret. It sucks because I love both Mason Fowler and Craig Jones. I think they're both yeah. like awesome grapplers and like I wanted to see, you know. I want to see a 10-minute match yeah. or something That's honestly, at, least. At, at, you know, first off, yeah, we shouldn't have been in EBI overtime. In five minutes. Yeah. Of, of guys of this caliber. Yeah. And then, like, to have it, like, weirdly, the ref, like, oh, we're done. And, like, that was kind of, like, it was super weird. And then Chael's comments before that were a little weird as well. It was, like, yeah, it's, like, kind of a quick call. Yeah. Um, and now we have, now Mason Fowler is the, is the new champion. Uh, I hope we run this back again. Ideally, I'm sure he is. I'm sure. Ideally not under SUG rules. I, yeah. Like, First I, off, honestly, this was, this kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. Before. I agree. I want to see these guys again. Yeah. You know, Craig uh, in... Um, an online post talked about how, you know, ADCC oh, yeah, Craig rules. Said, Craig said he didn't tap. Yeah, Craig literally posted on Reddit. He uh, there was a discussion thread, and Craig chimed in and basically, I gotta find the quote. He basically chimed in and went, um, "Craig's exact quote: Guys, the groans were from the body triangle. The squeeze was pushing the air out of me. I promise, my neck. I promise, if my neck was in jeopardy, I'll a hundred percent tap. Uh, no way in the sport." No way this sport is worth a neck or spinal injury. If a grunt is a tap, props to Mason, but I think we should treat it like ADCC. Nothing but the word tap is a verbal submission. Yep. So. Agree. So that's how that went. Um, anything else on that one? Nope. Next match, we have Amanda Lowen defeating Aaron Hurl via submission and armbar in uh, round one. This EBI looked, overtime. Yep. This looked a lot like uh, this last match with Amanda. Um, some positional work from both grapplers, but it goes to overtime, and that's how it ends up. Richie Martinez defeats Kevin Casey uh, in EBI overtime. Kevin spends the majority of the match in mount. Richie sort of tries to use the fly trap over and over again. He puts his foot up, but Kevin's hip to it and wise to it, has his hips forward, and then uh, Martinez is able to get the win in overtime. Um, yep, next match. Ben Egley defeats Micah Bakerfield in EBI overtime. Yep, round one, overtime. Undercard. Hunter Colvin defeats Andy Varela via Darce Choke. This was, uh, I think, one of the only, if not the only, submission in regulation. Happened right in the regulation. Again, we're super happy with Hunter. We love watching him. Um, Chael was actually happy that he got a bunch of signatures to get on the last card. So we saw a matchup that could have happened on the last 
eight-man to fight Craig Jones card. Um, Hunter's really good. Happy to see him. He looked good. The finish looked good. Uh, I want to see more of him. Yep. Alex Larmy defeats Lee Flores via fast escape time and overtime. Jesse Brock defeats Logan Skinner via submission in overtime. Uh, Kanyela Kahanui defeats Josh Bolin in overtime. Nicholas uh, Maximo defeats Colton Vaughn via submission in regulation. So we had two regulation finishes. Yeah, two regulation finishes, both uh, like with 15 or 20 seconds left in out regulation. Of what, like 10? Something like that. 10 yeah, or 11. I, I, five minutes is a little short for a pro matchup for me personally. Like, it was fun. It, like, for if some it's of a them, decision, it's great. If, if there are yeah. points, it's great. Well, especially because the overtime can be longer than the matches and frequently is. Like, And it's just not good. It's not... Overtime's not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch. Like, it was really interesting. Manny and I have talked about this a bunch. Yeah. We won't belabor it. But like, there are, this card had compelling matchups and I think... You know, it's maybe time for Sug to think about just modifying the rules and like, you know, you know, really yeah, taking it to the next level. You know, I think pretty much, I don't. I think all promotions, for the most part, not all promotions. I must be the blanket like that. Most promotions have moved away from the overtime system as it was in EBI because it, it's just not like it's not viewer friendly. Yep, and it's just. I think decisions are better and like points are better. So, so speaking of points, so I got nothing else on Sug. Um, yeah. Next event, uh, let's talk about Polaris, the UK GP. Uh, dude, Freddie Vosgrove showed up. Yeah, he did. Uh, do you want to talk about points here? Yeah. So talk about points, like Polaris for the GP. Uh, so Polaris typically does 15-minute uh, rounds, and the rounds are scored. Each five-minute section is scored individually as a round, and there's no break between them. And then the winner of the most rounds wins that bout. But for the GP, because you want a more codified like system, you want to give people specific incentives to do things that you're looking for, they did points. But they didn't do standard jujitsu points, and I loved it. They did, you get a point for doing a thing. Right. And I you went- You pass, you get a point. You sweep, oh, you hell get a yeah. point. You take down, you get a point. I kind of like that. I, it's super simple. And in reality, I, I think I don't see matches going significantly different as a result like if a guy can pass and sweep or mount it's like the four points versus two points versus three points like one it's all worth one point yeah and i i almost like how uniform it is because it makes guys have to put equal stake into all of the baskets for what they defend and how they defend it um again not giving like two points for mount it's like there's an argument here but initially Seeing it implemented in this event, I like it. Big fan too because it, yeah, it equalizes the takedown and you know the, the other work. things. So yeah, suddenly like a mount is not worth twice, you know, a takedown. And honestly, right. like it would be more like three times because usually you get like a pass and then yeah, you know, a mount. So that's over three times as much as a takedown by traditional IBJJF scoring. This is equal yeah i was a fan again i don't know if it where it breaks down you know if if how it wouldn't work in different events with different grapplers potentially but i was a big fan of it here like and i love they had the names they had the points and it was super easy as a layman mm -hmm. to follow yep. and you can just see like oh this guy did the thing he has one point yep and i i liked it I, I'm, again i really i actually hope that polaris implements this more 
in events and kind of fleshes it out a little bit because I was I was again super happy with it. Yep. Moving around one. Yep. Taylor Pyramid defeats Nastasu Silvio via judge's decision. Freddie Vosgrove defeats Tom Brees via points four to one. So this is when you start to see Freddie come in. And it's like, oh, Freddie looks big here. He's yeah. coming in. Again, we've seen Freddie. We've covered Freddie. I've actually tra- I've trained with Freddie before. watched him win the DC Open. Um, he's a monster. One of the best grapplers out of Germany. I think he trains in the UK right now. Um Dude looked good, looked big, looked strong. His wrestling's on display. He's the guy who used to come out in the singlet and right. then go for heel hooks, and everyone everyone laughed. Ross Nichols defeats Dominic Dillon via points. Close match here. Bradley Hill defeats Shane Curtis via submission. We were naked choke there. Uh, second round, we had Ross Nichols defeating Bradley Hill via the judge's decision to get a really close match. And we had Freddie Vosgrove defeating Taylor Perlman via points 2-0. to zero. And again, we're seeing more and more for Freddie. Like, yep. he wanted to get guys out quick. But and you talked about it, I like that they interviewed him after every match and like how he thought about each match. But right now we've seen him go the entire length of both matches. He looks tired. He looked he did look tired. Um, you know, but he maintained composure um, and focus and was able to you know take the win. Tournament final. Freddie Vosgrone defeats Ross Nichols. Uh, there's a pretty big size discrepancy here. Yeah, Freddie has thing ten is, kilograms on. Both him. these guys are trained together, so I, I talked to Freddie after this because um, I was curious about a couple of things, and they've trained together like a bunch. I bet. I mean, in Europe, like so, Ross Nichols is like you know really hot out of the UK. He's doing oh, really yeah. well. Uh, man, someone did he win oh, trials? I can't remember if he did. Someone on Reddit posted that. Uh, Ross Nichols was the only person that JT Torres didn't score on. Yeah, I saw, I saw that thread too. Um, which I, f- I found really interesting. Um, so clearly, like these are two talented Europeans. So of, of course they're gonna like, you know, come across. They're training together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great, great rule set. Um, really compelling. Like there was a really matchups. Cool, I like. I love this final. I'll talk about this finals match. Some of the gamesmanship of this finals match. So comes down to Freddie takes this match via one point. And what he does is we know Ross is going to pull because Ross has pulled the entire time. And then the match starts immediately. Zero seconds into the match, Freddie pulls. And now he's going to force Ross to pass, but it gives Freddie the opportunity to wrestle up and put Ross down. And that's immediately what he does. And he, and he gets up, gets the one point, and then now he can just work on his passing, which is which what Ross was going to do the entire time anyway, which is what he planned for. So Freddie initiates it first, gets that one point on the board because he's got really, really good wrestling because right. Freddie's looking to do ADCC. He takes away the ability for Ross to pull. Yep. yep. Because now if Ross pulls, Freddie can stand and there's a point. So he forces and then now he can wrestle up. And it was just a really, like, the, and the commentator picked up on it as well, really great gamesmanship from Freddie here. And it was just like to, to know and to train with a guy, know what he's going to do, know where his strengths are, and go, okay, I need to do this here to get this one advantage in the rule set for how this works, gets it, gets it done. And then, honestly, looked really good. Forces the turtle from Ross a bunch of times, looking to throw the hooks in. His passing looked good. And again, Ross staved off all of the passing attempts and all like everything else but freddie was just on him the entire time and this is the most impressive i've ever seen freddie look like he's looked good i think he's undefeated still at polaris looked better and better dude he has wins over tex johnson and auto maidana he has daniel strauss like freddie is holy shit yeah dude he's a monster he's been quietly racking those up because like grapple fest we've covered like Watch out for Freddy Vosker. That's Vosker. so crazy. Yeah. Damn, dude. Right? We've covered him a bunch. We've covered him a bunch and like 
Yeah, like I, you know, I I remember him each time because you you mentioned that you've trained with him before. Uh, I didn't realize he'd been quietly taking down some some pretty high level yeah. people. Damn, he's gonna do. I think he's gonna do under ninety nine for ADCC trials. And again, he's I'll probably put him as one of the front runners. Yeah, dude. For that for trials. Yeah. And he have two, there's two trials. He's got two shots at it. Yeah. I am I'm, I'm excited to see Freddie potentially take a European ADCC slot because I think he's got a game that's really really well suited I'm for I'm trying it. to think of like who else at 99 is Wardzinski 88 or 99? Uh Wardzinski is in Hulk's division. Uh, He's so in Craig's 88, right? I don't think. I think that's 99. He's a 99. So he's got to go. He's got. He's got to deal with Wardzinski, which I'm curious. I'm curious to see. I don't know if they've actually fought each other before. Um, but again, I'm looked good. One ten grand. We're gonna be seeing a lot more of Freddie. I would assume that when they do the heavyweight GB, he was already announced for that. I would assume that he'd be on that as well. I I apologize. It's not Hulk. It's Kainan. Remember, Kainan is the one who's been terrorizing Wardzinski for like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the stats you pulled up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, two big Brazilian guys. Maybe we'll get some mixed up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot from Freddie. Um, lo- look out for him. Again, I'm, I'm curious to see if he plays spoiler at the GP, if that, if that kind of gets put back together. Because that was a crazy GP. Wardzinski was in that. Uh, Nicky Rod was in that. Kainan was in that. Gaudio was in that. Mm-hmm. Vosgrove, Vosgrove was in that. It, we're going to see more from him. So that was, uh, it was a lot of fun to see Freddie work. He's got a great game for the wrestling and like the footlock. So I think he's, he's setting up himself up for ADCC in a big way. Yep. Uh, that's all we got for recaps. You want to move into previews? Let's do it. All right. So let's move into our preview. You want to do spider? Want to do fight to win? Or you want to do Sapatero? Uh, let's do spider. All right. So spider grappling invitational is taking place. It got moved and now it is back. You have it up or no? Yeah, I have it up. Awesome. So we're going to see, uh, so this is the road to black belt spider event there's a super fight matchup as well on this card but this is basically spider does kind of a cedar a feeder tournament for up-and-coming purple and brown belts uh to get into their big invitation tournament it's usually a lot of money with a bunch of top names and they run these feeder tournaments I mean, it just got big and wide-eyed would you see i just looked at uh fight to win 147 but we'll get there nice so uh first round matchup we i can't we get, have yuncio ha thank you Emil. uh and raimundo diego sodre um we have gyeonju lee uh sikyon siu uh hyun woo han fabricio audrey jiwan park and kevin carrasco so it'll be really really fun i think cisneros uh is unfortunately out of that now um, which kind of sucks because I was excited. I was excited to see him, but dude, the Spider puts on great events and they always pick some super great international talent. And that's one of the big reasons I like Spider because you see Americans, you see Brazilian, you see Korean grapplers all showcased, um, you know, at the same thing. So that should be a lot of fun. That takes place on July seventeenth. Yep. So we want the next event. Yeah, let's do Fight to Win one forty seven in Austin, Texas. This is uh, July seventeenth. At 7 p.m., it is headlined by Rafael Lovato Jr. versus Helton Jose Jr. Are uh, you super excited like I am? That's dope. But what I'm excited for next is Jonathan Alves versus Manuel Hibamar. That's going to be fucking fire. This will be the first time that we've seen Alves on 
um, fight to win as a black belt, I think. I can't remember seeing him at, his, at black belt, no. I don't think uh, so. so. I don't actually remember seeing his brown belt on fight to win. I think we... We saw him at Spider. We've seen him at Spider we've at Brown. before. Black. I just don't know if I've seen him on fight to win before. Yeah, I can't, I can't recall. I don't remember it. Oh, also on the card... We have Luisa Montero versus Elizabeth Clay. Yeah. We've been super hot on Elizabeth Clay recently. She looked really good versus uh, Kendall Riesling. Um, and versus well, who is her, who knows, who's number one matchup? I cannot recall. She, she looked really good. I forget who she fought there. Um, still a brown belt, technically. Well, still a brown belt. Let me give quotes there because um, Luisa Montero is a black belt and should be a really, really good matchup. What do you think about the Jonathan? Want to kind of speculate about any of these matchups? I don't know enough about Helton Jose Jr. to um, call it. I do think, you know, Lovato is a fucking beast. So I think, you know, by reputation. I'm going to pick Lovato. Lovato. I'm going to pick Lovato because I'm more familiar with his game meal. Yeah. So uh, Jonathan Alves versus Manuel Hibamar. I'm trying to remember iconic. We've, I definitely, we've covered Alves for sure. We've covered Hibamar, but I'm trying to remember what some of more his, his more iconic matches are. 50 50 arm bars? Hibamar? No, that's not Hibamar. That's um You are thinking about I I always mix him up with Hibamar. The Kyotera guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Fuck, what is his name? I always forget his yeah, fucking name. I always want to th- say he's Hibamar, he's not. No. Uh anyway. Um but yeah. Uh We I is fucking beast, dude. He's we, so good. We saw him beat Shane Jamil Hill together. And that's what in my head is the match I keep going back exactly. to. Exactly. Of just like to take on like the former world champion and sub him so quickly and get to the back so like quickly versus Shane. The ceiling is the limit for Alves. Like yep. I just I I don't want to pick against the guy that looks like that against the world champion. Yep. And that's again, we've not seen him a ton at black belt, which is kind of my like, because sometimes the guys get to that level, but he's getting, he's an AOJ black belt. And so those guys have been black belts for a couple years yeah. before they get black belt yep. at that level. And so, again, I don't really know. I assume this is definitely going to be a gi match. Yeah, this is going to be good because, um, you know, I'm looking at Hibbenmar's kind of like more recent stuff. He's won a Grand Slam in LA. Yep. Um, for you, for AJP, we've seen him a bunch on Fight to Win. He has wins over Jake Watson, Mauricio Oliveira. Oh, the Jake Watson match. I remember the Jake Watson match. Um, yeah, dude, he's. This is going to be a good match. So this is where it'd be a seater for a title match. I, I would guess, given that he has won a Grand Slam. I think winning a Grand Slam may or may not put you on the title list for Fight to Win outright. I don't know if it does. I know one of the. I know all the majors do for IBJJF. But I don't know if um, Abu Dhabi. If if Seth also considers Abu Dhabi in that, I know he considers ADCC, and I know he considers all the fi- all the four majors for IBJJF. I would assume he would consider World Pro. I do not know if he considers Grand Slams as well. But you're on the the short list for like super hot for a title shot. Yeah. So again, I don't really know. I don't really want to pick this one. I don't know. I don't know either, man. That's a tough, tough call. So it's gonna be good, though. It's gonna be re- should be a lot of fun. Should be really fucking technical. I'm I'm assuming it's a gi match. Mm-hmm. Um, I now come to think of it, I can't think of that I've seen Alves in no gi. I, I think. think we I've seen uh, I, we saw him versus um they're at the Arteza Invitational versus uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but yeah, I've only I think we've only ever covered him in the gi. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, 
Yeah, it should yeah. be fun. Also, this weekend is a Sapatero Invitational. It's the 155-pound qualifier. We have a headline match. We have Chad Kodiak Fields versus Joe Bays. Uh, you know Joe from Smission Underground. He's been heel-hooking dudes uh, everywhere on SUG for a couple of years now. Um, this should be a really, really fun one. This is streaming on the Sapatero Facebook page. Uh, sorry, Sapatero YouTube page takes place on July 11th. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for Sapatero coming back. It's been a while since they've run an event, and uh, they put on. If you want to look at a crazy event, look at Sapatero Six. I think or f- I think it was four or six. Had like uh, Craig, had Gordon, had a bunch of big, big, big names on it. Like right before all of them just got like massive. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, also, this week is Jiu-Jitsu Overtime. It takes place on July 19th. Um, I'm assuming that it is still running. I've not seen a whole lot from it. We will probably not end up covering it on the show, uh, just given the format. But if you're interested in that, it's probably on Fight Pass, and you should take a look. I know there's some fun guys. I think Thomas Halpin. Uh, everything got moved around and, and changed, so I'm not exactly certain who's on it. But it should be uh, fun if you're into that. That does it. Yeah. And it was a big ass week of events. Yeah, a lot going on. Absolutely. So, what's your week look like now? Uh, chilling, man. Just trying to figure out like how I could maybe just like responsibly get out of Baltimore for a little bit. You know, yeah. maybe get a cabin somewhere. I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to go to a section of the beach with no one on it. Yeah. For next week, so we're doing the show. We're doing the show a day early next week yeah. because uh, I need to. I've not been on vacation like. I think about a year. Yeah. And I need to be not at my house in my basement yep. for 16 hours a day for a couple of days. So I'm yep. going to do it. You know, as responsible as I can, I'm not going to go out anywhere, but I want to put my th- my feet in the sand for a couple of days and just like relax um, and get out of the basement. Because I spent the entirety of this weekend running uh, Cat 6 Ethernet cables to the basement from upstairs. There's a small hole that you can now see above the Grappling Rewind poster if you're watching the YouTube video um, that was me running cables for six and a half hours uh, because I couldn't get the fish line to work, and that was the entirety of my Saturday. And then I ripped apart the entire podcast set and then put it all together Sunday so we could record Monday. Um, We're looking at doing some more live streaming stuff, potentially doing some fight companions. Uh, If you are interested in any of that, you should let us know um, because I want to do them. And if there's interest, you know, I will definitely uh, do what we can to shorten the process and, you know, try to get that get that there so everyone can watch it. Uh, Other than that. That was my whole weekend. I'm, I'm looking forward to vacation. I've got to get through this last week of work. And then uh, I cannot wait to be in the ocean for a couple of days um, at a little section of the beach with no one there, hopefully. Sweet. <laughs> Anything else going on for you? That's it, man. All right. So uh, that's it. All right. We got the grappling rewind. Jesus, I've completely messed it up. It's been a, it's been a long week, Emil. As you, always in the show, I'm your host, Maine. Join with my co-host, Emil. We got the grappling rewind. See you on the mats. What a weird outro. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Google+. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time and thank you.